Hello, Texans, and welcome. It's Texans All Access, NRG Stadium, the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, and we're back. By we, I mean John McClain and myself. It's a Thursday night visit. It's our first one in a while, so the general from the Houston Chronicle is with us, and he's back from the Chesapeake area. I'm not giving anything away because I've seen your social media stuff about it. Oh, yeah, it. I had a blast on the Chesapeake Bay for five days. I was in Florida on Captiva and Sanibel Islands off the Port Myers coast before that, and uh Dang. I had a blast. My wife is still up there. I told her it must be nice to not have anything to do. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of people on vacation, a lot of people getting back. Camp starts two weeks from today, General. You know what that means? Four weeks from tonight, preseason game number one as the Texans will face the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, and I cannot wait. I can't believe it's in four weeks. This is incredible. I can't wait to go up there for the joint practices. I don't like preseason games, but I love joint practices where you can be on the field, move around, and watch J.J. Watt pass rush, watch Titus Howard pass protect, watch the corners cover the receivers. It's going to be fun watching Aaron Rodgers and and, – it's hard to believe, though, in a month that they they crank it up again. And uh, I'm I'm excited about this season. I think I'm excited because mainly because of Deshaun Watson. I mm-hmm. believe, Mark, and I'm guessing you do too. Based on what I've seen, based on my experience of covering the NFL and quarterbacks I've watched, and based on what people tell me, I believe Watson will help the Texans go to a Super Bowl and possibly win a Super Bowl, depending on who the competition is. And it could be more than one. That's how much faith I have in Deshaun Watson as a true franchise quarterback. And I wrote two Sundays ago that I expect this season that people around the country will acknowledge him as truly an elite quarterback right up there with the best of the best. And I base that on this. I thought he had a great year, especially considering the pass protection, 19 missed games by second and third receivers. Two and a half games missed by Lamar Miller. No contribution from Deontay Foreman. Two rookie tight ends. All the tight ends combined for only four touchdown catches. I believe it's basically him and Hopkins. And I believe the offensive line will be better. Part of that pass protection that's improved will be Watson and his maturation as a quarterback. And he will get rid of the ball quicker. I think that Will Fuller's in the last year of his contract, and he's playing for a new contract. Players have a – it's amazing the way this works – a tendency to be healthy in the last year of their contracts. Kiki QT never missed a practice or a game at Tech, so you like to think that's a fluke to hamstring injuries. So if those guys are able to play more, pass protection's a little better. I think the tight ends are going to be really good, especially Jordan Thomas. Kylie Waring, I think, will be, but he may get off to a slow start because of his. he's kind of behind on football. Deontay Foreman looked great in the offseason. Lamar Miller's in the last year of his contract. I think this offense is going to be prolific. I think Watson, he could count it for 31 touchdowns last year, and I've told people I think he could count for the mid to high 40s this year. I don't think that's that far off because the rushing touchdown number is still going to be significant. might not be double digits, but he's going to have a few, put it that way. And we always talk about that passing touchdown number. Please break the number 30. Texans have never hit that mark ever in the franchise's history. Watson last year, and Meltzer was talking about it earlier in the week, 
Oh, it wasn't a great year. It was a good year. However, you talking define about it. that with me yesterday about uh. great. Uh, Cecil Shorts and I were on with him, and mm-hmm. Cecil and I thought Watson played great based on the limitations we just talked about. Right. Mike did not, and then we talked about we thought Watt had a great season, and I thought that was non-debatable, but uh, Meltzer debated that one, and I told Mike I'm glad he wasn't my professors in school. Mm-hmm. I would have never graduated. Was he grading on the curve? He would have too hard. If Watt doesn't put up 20, it's not Watt-like? Yeah, it could Seriously? be. Could be, but I think anybody, I can't wait to watch Watson. I can't wait till the Saints game comes. I was watching Drew Brees accept an award at the ESPYs last night, and I thought that's the guy that the Texans are going to be going against on Monday night football in that first game, and it's how exciting it could be with Brees and Watson. And those first seven games, the quarterbacks they play, and fortunately for the Texans, all those are not great defenses. They're good teams. They have prolific quarterbacks, but the defenses are susceptible, so Watson could light it up. He certainly could. Now, you mentioned franchise quarterback and how important that is, and there are some teams in the NFL that feel like they have quarterbacks that can take them to the Super Bowl. But when I look at the Texans situation and the lack of a GM, Jack Easterby coming over, the fact that Nick Casario reportedly wanted to come here, all of that, Watson plays into that. The fact that you have the guy in place, a quarterback that you feel can be around for a decade plus, that means a whole lot to the attractiveness of a franchise a, for employment. There's a great example of that. Chris Ballard, who right now is considered one of the top general managers in Indianapolis, he used to be a scout for the Bears who lived here, and then he was with the Chiefs, and he turned down general manager opportunities to interview because they didn't have the franchise quarterback. So when the Colts called, he jumped on it, didn't know he wasn't going to have Andrew Luck the first year, but it's worked out great. And Nick Casario wanted out. He wanted to come here. He wanted to be reunited with Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby, two close friends, and, of course, he didn't get to do it. Everybody I've talked to in New England and Kansas City who was around Easterby and knew what he did, his his responsibilities and how he grew into his position, he's not a team chaplain anymore, Uh, swear by him. You can Google him and go on there and look at all these glowing reports from New England. He did interviews during the Super Bowl. I think that Jack will be Bill O'Brien's right-hand man. They'll they'll answer to Cal McNair. And they got a 22-man personnel staff that Bill's already worked closely with. Jack will, too. Jack Easterby's not going to say, okay, we're going to sign this guy. That's going to come from Bill O'Brien. Bill's going to say, you know, I want Mark Vandermeer. Do everything you can to re-sign him. That'll be up to Chris Olson. If you say, okay, I want you to go get Mark Vandermeer, trade him, trade for him, then that'll be up for, to Matt Bazergan. Did I pronounce his name right? Bazergan. Bazergan. Matt Bazergan. It'll be up to him. And they'll all function together. And I think Easterby will have the inside track a year after this next season if everything goes smoothly, being named general manager. It doesn't mean he's going to have control. Bill O'Brien's still going to be in charge, and then they'll answer to Cal McNair, of course. But I think Easterby has, is really kind of an auditioning to be a general manager. He was going with Josh McDaniels to Indianapolis for a bigger role under Chris Ballard, and then that fell through. And uh, 
I am eager to see the impact that Easterby has on this organization, and he will be, he will, I think, because he'll oversee football operations for Bill O'Brien. When Bill wants to get something done, he can turn to Easterby, and if it's personnel, he'll turn to Matt. And then uh, contracts, of course, will be Chris Olson. And then if they have a debate on something, it's always been, Bob McNair used to tell me with Cashley and Capers, with Smith and Kubiak, if there's a difference and you can't get it worked out, come to me. And the same thing's going to be there with Cal. And Bob said they didn't have to do that hardly at all. They always get it worked out. Well, I'm glad, you know, the story broke yesterday, broke with Adam Schefter, but you've been saying this for weeks about I've been reporting that for weeks in the yep. Chronicle, talking about it on 610, talking about it on Texans radio, that they weren't going to have a general manager and they were going to go with the structure that I just talked about. Well, I'm always willing to believe that anything's possible in this world because uh, who knows? I mean, I didn't know it was going to play out like this a month and a half ago, but here we are. And I think you bring up some excellent points how I've always said you have a team in place here. You bring up Matt Bazargan, you bring up – James Lipford, director of college scouting, and the fact that Bazargan's director of player personnel. You have director of college scouting. You have guys like that who step up to be general managers. It's And I always say this about whatever's going on in any NFL building. It's in everybody's best interests that the team wins, right? Players, coaches, front office people, they're all going to work together to make sure they have their best shot to win every Sunday. And one of the things that Easterby is good at bringing people together and making sure everybody pulls in the same direction and they're not pulling in a different direction. And uh, I think that's good. And he he can slide from, from group to group and make sure all this is going on and then report back to Cal McNair because there's a lot of responsibility for a general manager. Now, and Bill will control personnel and then um, – you got so many departments under the auspices of a general manager. And, you know, there's general managers in the league who have the title that don't do anything but contracts, and they and they work with personnel, but they're real good at making decisions about hiring people. Howie Roseman's not a personnel guy, but he relies on good people. Uh, Mickey Loomis, you know, Sean Payton makes the top decisions in New Orleans. Pete Carroll, there's other coaches that do that. And, and O'Brien's a smart guy. I mean, he, graduated from Brown, and Easterby, by all accounts, is a really smart guy who seems like he would be older, but he's only 36 years old. And this is the next stage of his career, no matter if his goal is to be a general manager, a president, or whatever it is, this is a great opportunity for him. Well, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, Jack has spoken to some groups around town. He spoke to some partners of the Texans a few weeks ago. I heard that. He's really compelling. He's really great. And it's going to be fun to see how he affects what happens with this organization as time goes on. I mean, he wasn't even here as of the NFL meetings, the owners' meetings in late March. I mean, it's been such a short time. So uh, it's going to take a while to really get things fully stamped for him. But we'll see how that goes. Training camp coming up in two weeks, like we said. Along those lines, John, here we go. Training camp coming up in two weeks. And I, I want to take this into the next segment as well, but we'll start it here. Some players now... I was going to say you're looking forward to seeing. We're all looking forward to seeing Deshaun Watson, but we're all looking forward to seeing certain other guys who maybe we haven't seen for a while. We want to see how they come out of the gate. 
Uh, I think position groups, you could point to a variety of position groups, most notably two. Uh, you want to see how they gel and where they start is not necessarily where they finish. What are you looking at first Besides the main guys, I want to see Aaron Colvin bounce back as a slot corner, mm-hmm. not playing outside. He's playing slot the way he did at Jacksonville. I talked to Cecil Short, Stanford Route, James Ahedabo the last two weeks on Sports Radio 610 about we all know players make their biggest improvement between their first and second season, rookies who learn the NFL way. But sometimes veteran free agents go somewhere, and it takes them the same thing to mm-hmm. adjust. And each of them talked about why that is. And in Colvin's case, the reason he came here, besides the money was good, he had a chance to play outside, which he was not going to get in Jacksonville. And he's not an outside guy. Then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to come back with uh, on a mission to prove that uh, that disappointing last season, he's going to play the way he did when the Texans showed faith in him and signed him at slot corner. He better because they need that position. And then offensively, we're all going to be watching Titus Howard. Not just because he's the number one pick, because he plays the most important position on the offensive line to protect Deshaun Watson's backside. Will he be able to start the first game against New Orleans? I say yes, based on everything I've heard. Now, or would he be like Dwayne Brown, having to rotate with a veteran like Julian Davenport? Or will they move him inside to guard? No, they're not moving him to guard. Max Sharping would have a better chance to go to guard. Uh, Titus is a tackle, and he's played both sides. A thing that's going to be fun here, who's going to be a swing tackle? Swing tackle's got to play both sides. Right. Uh, Chantrell Henderson hadn't played both sides. He's a starting right tackle. Max Sharping's a right tackle. Howard has played both sides. So is Davenport. Where would that leave Matt Khalil, who's a left tackle? So I Mike, Mike Devlin has got some things he's got to find oh, yeah. out. And it's funny to say there's going to be tough cuts at offensive tackle. People are like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Those are easy, but they're not. They're not. And I think with Khalil, it all comes down to health. If he's fully healthy, there's ability there. He should be able to do something that can help your football team. But the question is, is he going to be fully healthy? And if he is, it's going to be interesting to watch that competition because of Howard, like you mentioned. And Davenport is eager to say that people have forgotten about him and don't forget about me because I can still play or I can play at a higher level than I did anyway. And you talk about year one to year two jump. I know it's not year one last year for him, but it was year one as a full-time player. So here we go. What does year two bring? What do you do with Khalil? He played 17 games two seasons ago for a playoff team. Didn't miss last season, but Say he's healthy and he does pretty well. Say Howard does pretty well. Davenport does pretty well. Chantrell Henderson stays healthy. He's Keep them in. all. Chantrell Henderson, Max Sharping, let's see, that's five tackles. Yeah, but like you said, Sharping can Start move Start them inside. all in the offensive line. I still think Howard's got the chance to play inside a little bit. All right, we'll discuss that and then some and continue with some training camp players to watch. Two weeks from today, it starts. It's Texans Radio. It's Texans All Access here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John McClain with you today as we're talking training camp stuff with camp opening two weeks from today. First preseason game at Green Bay four weeks from tonight. It is upon us, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about the offensive line situation a bunch. Anything else to add there? Nick Martin at center, obviously. Uh, Greg Mance is a guy we don't talk about much, but he's going to be on this football team, I think. He'll, he'll find a way. Greg is the swing guy on game day. 
You know, I'm not saying I think that I'd be shocked if both Fulton and Calamete are back, considering all those things we just talked about. It all those numbers, it really creates a situation. But again, injuries do come into play, and I don't want that for anybody. But very often, hey, somebody's going to get hurt, and you might need some players that we think might be on the bubble. They're no longer on the bubble because uh, somebody else got hurt. And now you really need their services. The other thing is this. And and I know I'm not going in order here, but I always go back to that after the fourth preseason game. Everybody else around the league is waving their players, and, and you're picking players that you think it's kind of like a if roster management is a construction project. That's the punch list after that fourth preseason game. What do we need? Last year they felt like we need some special teams help, so let's go get some guys who we really know could be ballers on special teams, and they did just that. I don't know if they'll have to do that again the same way they did last year because they still have a bunch of those guys. But maybe somebody around the league is a, an attractive option for them for offensive line depth. I doubt it because, to me, I feel like if you look at your offensive line talent, particularly a tackle, it's almost like pitching in baseball. You're not going to get rid of that. You're going to keep all of that that you possibly can. Who has an embarrassment of riches at that particular spot? Nobody. Right. And, and the other big position, of course, is the secondary. Top three safeties are set. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of corners, and there's somebody who's not going to make it. And right. you'd love to see Xavier Crawford be a good slot corner. Brian Body Calhoun, slot corner, could be a dime safety. They've got a lot of options there. Lonnie Johnson, who was hurt, didn't do much in off season. Being a second-round pick, he needs to step up. And they've got to have Bradley Roby healthy and playing and playing well enough to where he's going to cash in after the season. I, I, I don't like too many guys on one-year contracts, but considering guys usually stay healthy and have their best season in the last year of their contract, I think it's good to have two or three who are expected to be key players. Do you think linebacker is the most set group on this team, or is it? Without the depth. Yeah. You know, right now you got you got Dylan Cole inside and Brandon Scarlett outside. You know, the defensive line, there's not going to be any room in there. You got your three starters, Dunn on the nose, Reader right in, White. You got Blackson coming off the bench with a new contract. Charles Minihew, they're hoping the rookie will be able to give them a little pass rush. Carlos Watkins in his third season, that's six right there. So, but what they do need, and you know this because we see it every year, in a 3-4, the linebackers get beaten up. Mm-hmm. That's why it's amazing the durability of Bernardrick McKinney. And I don't think Bernardrick's missed a game. And Cunningham's been hurt. Cole's been hurt. Clowney's been hurt. Merciless has been hurt. But Bernardrick is in there answering the bell every game. And sometimes we take that for granted. But they've got to get more depth outside. I don't know. Where it's going to come from, maybe another team, but they were counting on Duke Edge for a big time. Yeah, that's sad to me. That Obviously, it's not like losing a front-line starter necessarily, but you really want to see a what he was going to do. A promising player. And the good thing yeah. is when they're injured, they're not in a, on another planet. They're there every day. So he's getting all the mental stuff. From uh, John Pagano, coaches outside linebackers. He's getting it from uh, Romeo Cornell. So he's learning the mental stuff. And uh, But but they got to come up with somebody else besides Brendan Scarlett, who was also hurt last year. Those linebackers, you, you almost got to have too many. 
You know, I don't know what's going to happen at receiver, John, as far as depth goes, but I can tell you this. I bet that two guys get released who are going to make other teams, whether it's the practice squad or 53-man roster, minimum. I think they have a lot of talent here, a lot of young, raw talent that's going to have a hard time making the team because of the numbers of the guys in front of them. The, the prowess of the guys in front of them. I think at least one would be on a practice squad. Here? Yeah, yeah. because you got your first three. You got to have a slot corner. DeAndre Carter did a pretty good job after coming here. He should be even better now that he knows the system and didn't get thrust into it. Not a bad point right there. Being claimed from Philadelphia. And mm-hmm. Vincent Smith is one of the guys we talked about going into your second year. You make your biggest yeah. improvement. Think about where Vincent came Limestone College, and I think that Jester Wea was on the practice squad. I thought he was better in preseason than Smith, who dropped too many passes, but Smith actually impressed him, so where is Wea? Maybe all of a sudden he makes a big jump in his second season. And then Johnny Dixon, and who's the big receiver? Lloyd John- Allen and... The big one, Tyron uh, Johnson. Yeah, Tyron Johnson. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, they're practice squad guys. I'm sure Dixon would be a practice squad guy. But And also, you think they're going to keep possibly keep four tight ends. I don't. Somebody's got to come out of another position if they do. You'd love for Darren Fells to play well enough to where he forces his way onto the team. But with Fuller and QT and Hopkins, there's just not going to be a lot of balls to go around the multiple tight ends especially if they're able to incorporate Miller more in a passing game because he had to block so much last year. How does Gillespie fit in? Um, somebody's got to replace Brian Peters. Brian mm-hmm. was good good on coverage for years. Gillespie, to me, would be the obvious guy. Could he play fullback in a few as a lead blocker or go out and catch a few passes? His training camp is important for him. You can't have too many buddy. You can have too many Buddy Howes and Johnson Batamoses who are there just because of special teams. So I think Gillespie has got to prove that he can do some things at fullback. He's a good athlete and he can run and he's yeah. tough and he's smart. He's going to make it tough for them to cut him, but if they do, they could put him on the practice squad because I don't think. Uh, those kind of guys for other teams, they they got their own guys like that. Right, right. That's a good point. It could be where he ends up, but we'll see. You want to see him make plays in these preseason games and really more importantly in practice. It's funny with the preseason games, John, because guys could be doing stuff in practice that's impressive and that would be great. But if they're doing stuff in the preseason games, the whole league sees it because everybody's combing through the preseason game footage to find players at the waiver wire, like I pointed out earlier with the punch list, with a lot of these players, if they're doing stuff in practice, well, it's not seen by the other team, so maybe you can sneak them through a little bit easier. It's almost like, mm, don't make too many plays, but you want to see them make plays, well, so it's sort of this double-edged sword, if you will. There's a problem with that because mm-hmm. his specialty is hitting people. You can't yeah. hit people in practice. Yeah, he point. can't run down the field and and flatten DeAndre yeah. Carter on a return. So the only way to judge him is in games – I'm guessing in Green Bay in those joint practices, he's not going to run down and, and go out and take out a return guy. We're only going to see it in the preseason games. I think he's going to be inspirational. I think he's going to fire up a lot of people, not just the Aggies. I think Cullen Gillespie, who's big too, he's 6'2 and 235. It's not like he's a, a little guy. I think he's going to 
how would I know? But I think he's going to make the team because he can do so many things. Well, it just feels like that, right? If he feels, for lack of a better word, seems like the kind of guy who will find his way out of the squad somehow. You bring up Brian Peters. That's a pretty good example. Although, if Gillespie makes the team in a Brian Peters-type role, boy, they have gotten to the Texans in very different ways because Peters played at every level of football in Canada and arena or whatever else. I mean, he's all over the place, and he finally found himself a job with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, anything else that you're looking for here? You want to see special teams, but you made a good point. You're not really going to see much in these training camp practices, even in the joint practices. You've got to wait for the preseason games to see how some of that stuff fleshes out. Trevor Daniel last year didn't have impressive gross or net, but he was good at angling kicks. He was good at getting them inside the 20 and inside the 10. Yep, ball placement was good. His ball placement was really good. They were happy for him to have him. Uh, they improved in six special teams categories last year. And uh, Brad Seeley, who's one of the all-time great special teams coaches, had a lot to do with that, but they also had the kind of players he needed. I'm looking to see, is, and then we're not going to know this till the game, is there anybody out there that could be a better returner than DeAndre Carter? He was better than Tyler Irvin. Mm. They cut Irvin. We're like, whoa, why would they cut him? And they had their eye on Carter, who'd been cut by the – or was claimed on waivers from the Eagles – can somebody return better than him? I would love to see the Texans get a return guy who could dictate field position, was that good, and uh, be a candidate at the Pro Bowl, like Jerome Mathis used to be as a kickoff returner. And uh, I don't that was know a heck of a year. It was. I don't know if that is if if there's anybody here that has that possibility. You know, you'd love to see Kiki QT be the kickoff returner because he's great at it. You'd love to see Will Fuller be the punt returner because he's great at it, but one mm. problem with both those guys. Too important at the receiving position. Yes. Don't want to increase exposure. All right, the general stays with us. Let's bounce around the league a little bit. Plenty of news around the NFL and more on Texans camp coming up in two weeks. It opens. It's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John McClain with you in the Hyundai Texans radio studio as we talk Texans with camp opening in two weeks and the rest of the league as well. John, we brought up this point last night, Johnny and I, in that the Texan schedule is very difficult. There's no question about that. Without a doubt. But the AFC South, everybody's got the same thing other than the Patriots, right, and the AFC North opponent. But the Colts have the Steelers on the road, which is arguably tougher than the Ravens on the road. We'll see how that plays out. Obviously, the Patriots are a tough out. You get them here December 1st. But other than that, they've got all those tough teams. They've got Kansas City and Mahomes. They've got to play Phillip Rivers. They've got a lot of tough opponents. The Colts True Breeze, New Orleans. Yeah, they got all that stuff. Andrew Luck two times. I mean, Johnny was going through the first three games for every AFC South team, and everybody's got a tough opening stretch here. Now, they get into their division schedule week two, the Texans do with the Jags. But, you know, the Titans will meet. The Colts, I mean, that's going to be a tough game. The Titans are a tough game for everybody. There's no weak sister in this division now that Nick falls. And not just falls in Jack- Jacksonville, but they get their left tackle, Cam Robinson, back. They drafted Juwan Taylor. Oh, boy. Uh, as right tackle, we all thought he was going in the first round. They got him in the second. So that's two young bookend tackles that they have that the Texans hope they're going to have. And their defense was really good last year. They added uh, Josh Allen, the pass rusher from Kentucky, in the first round. 
So they they should their defense should be really good again. Jalen Ramsey's playing for a new contract. Uh, Miles Jack, uh, is it Telvin Smith who's out? Yeah, who's that? I'm guessing it hurt the weird deal that he took the year off, but uh, they still got a really good defense. And now with Nick Foles, and we saw last year when Foles brought them to behind after Watson threw two touchdowns to beat the Texans on the last second field goal, that what Foles is capable of doing, the division is going to be tough top to bottom. It's going to be fun. It's the best division in the NFL. And anybody wants to challenge that, I say, okay, look at your worst team. Somebody said NFC South. Well, you have Carolina and Atlanta didn't go to the playoffs. Tampa's the worst team. AFC South, the only division with three teams with winning records. Two went to the playoffs. And then Jacksonville's your worst team with one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. Now with Nick Foles, the winner might be 9-7. and Mm. Well, you know what? I'll take 9-7 and in a division win and take it from there. Of course. At this point, sure. I'll take that. If if you promise me the division and at least – I'll get another shot at that opening weekend game. Win that this time. Move on. See what happens from there. Uh, Tennessee, John. Mariota. What's the feeling about him in Nashville? People are worried about it. You know, last year his numbers were not good. He hasn't missed a lot of games, but he misses time. He he's always seems to get hurt. And they're trying, they've changed coordinators now, three coordinators in three years. Mm. And he's on his third head coach. And a lot, so wow. a lot of it's on them, mm-hmm. and everybody loves the guy. They say he's a good leader, but early in his career, he was better than he is now, and this is make or break for him, just like it is Jameis Winston. One and two picks in their draft, yep. and now both of them are trying to get new contracts, and he's got a good running game with Derek Henry. He's they've drafted him another receiver high. He's got. Two tackles, first-round picks. Their defense has been loading up on the front seven and in the secondary. they got good special teams. They're good. Tannehill seems like a pretty good insurance policy for that. I would think he's as, as good as any backup quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, that was a good move for them because Mariota does miss time, and Tannehill's at least played. Smart move by Tannehill to go there. Yeah, where you know the starting quarterback is somewhat vulnerable. What's your feeling about how Foles will perform? Yes, he knows the offense, but the personnel is not exactly the same thing he was dealing with in Philadelphia. He hasn't had a great season from start to finish since that year. He went had like 27 touchdowns. Yeah. And two, Chip Kelly's first season. Right. But one of the reasons they gave him all that money, they want him to change the culture, that he's a great leader. I don't, he, I don't know how you can just step in there and be a great leader on both sides of the ball. You know, that defense has got personalities, got characters. Let me put it like that. They're always on the verge of imploding, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And they're hoping he can, his attitude, his leadership can permeate through that dressing room or Doug Marone's going to be gone. And I'm worried that Tom Coughlin's going to hire Matt Rule from Baylor as his replacement. Oh, boy. Oh, here we Rule go. Rule coached under Coughlin at the Jets and, I mean, the Giants. And Rule has interviewed the last two years with the Colts and the Jets, which tells me he's interested in the NFL. And uh, I hope that's not the case. And that takes him away from your alma mater and puts him against your Texans. I and, said your Texans, but and, the Houston franchise. And uh, I don't know what Coughlin thinks about him. He only had him one year, but I was told that Coughlin has followed him 
carefully because he was impressed that year that he had him. Side note, by the way, Rule's done a heck of a job with Baylor to get them back on the map. He's going to be here uh, in two weeks. I'll be introducing him at the annual Touchdown Club of Houston's Baylor Day. And the last time we saw him in Houston was at the Texas Bowl when Baylor had a great comeback victory over Vanderbilt. And I had one great night with my friends watching Baylor win that game. John, Melvin Gordon, what's going on in San Diego? (laughs) San Diego, I did it. It's all right. He wants more money, says he's not going to report. I'm assuming his agent's been trying to get more money, and the Chargers have not done it. So he's going to withhold his services. This is something I talked about with Aaron Wilson on our podcast today. If you are a player, and of course your only only chance you have to express your displeasure when you're not getting paid what you want is to do what Jadavion Clowney and other players are doing with all their services in the off season. But it seems to me if you wanted to maximize your potential to get a big payday. Really, you should be there working your tail off every single day to hit the ground running rather than run the risk of a slow start because you're not in football condition, no matter what kind of great shape you're in. So if Melvin Gordon misses the preseason, you're always susceptible to hamstring, groin, and calf pulls when you come back. If Gordon does miss all that over money and then doesn't have a great season, he's not going to get paid. So it just seems to me that when you want your money the most is when you should be working the hardest. John, what about this report that dozens of Washington Redskins employees have left the organization and they don't like it there, the culture is troubled? What do you make of all that? Isn't that pretty easy to verify as well? (laughs) I have not heard that. Um, um, I know there's still a lot of people I know that are there, but Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have any idea what the culture is. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all with Dan Snyder as the owner. And you consider how much they've been losing with Bruce Allen was is still running the show. He's the president. He's not the general manager. They've been awful under him. Now they hope with Dwayne Askins they've turned their, their fortunes around with a franchise quarterback. It'll take a couple of years to know. But uh, that wouldn't surprise me because there just seems to be so much negativity around the Redskins, and mm-hmm. has been for years. Yeah, it seems like a strange deal. And what jumped out at me when we were up there is the state of the stadium, the condition of the stadium was pretty bad. He wants to – I was just in Washington. I went to watch the Nationals. Carol and I wanted to see Max Scherzer pitch. I forgot what it was like to go to a stadium where it was really hot, and it was hot because it was a day game. Oh, God. And they didn't draw well. Next day they had 21,000. And so there was nobody was talking about the Redskins anywhere we went. We also went to the International Spy Museum, which I would tell anybody listening, if you go wow. to D.C., check it out. It's just opened. It was fascinating and informative. But there's just no buzz. They, they've built uh, – where the Nationals are at the Navy Yards now has condos and offices everywhere. D.C. United just got a new stadium there down the street. I guess they're tearing down RFK, and Dan Snyder wants a stadium built, a new one where RFK is, and they want nobody's going to give him anything, so he's let his stadium uh, fall into disrepair. That's terrible. It's just bad. I mean, that it still feels like it shouldn't be considered a brand-new stadium, 
but it's not an old stadium. No, just slightly I remember older when it was opened, and, and people were like, wow, this is a Taj Mahal. It's going to seat. He put t- t- seats everywhere. At one point, they were seated 90,000, and now they've got seats covered up like Jacksonville and Oakland. John, Josh Norman running with the Bulls in Pamplona. <laughs> uh, it, players have all sorts of stuff that they should stay away from, maybe basketball, although many players play Skiing, basketball. Skiing, riding motorcycles. Yeah. Running with the Bulls would seem to be one of these things. I'm no expert. What do you make of this? Well, first of all, I'm sure general managers didn't think to put it in there, but now everyone <laughs> will put it in the contract. You know, like Jadavion Clowney, when he, if he signs, J.J. Watt signs a new one, and DeAndre Hopkins will get a new one. Watson, I would say no running with the Bulls, no standing on camels, and uh, it's okay to get baptized in a river. <laughs> but I would put clauses in there. The Astros, I remember, Moises Alou blew out his knee, and he and he twice he got hurt. Once he said his son ran into him with a basket with a bike. Another time he fell off a treadmill working to stay in shape. Turned out he's playing basketball. Jeff Kent was hurt. People saw him riding a motorcycle in a park, parking lot popping wheelies when he got hurt. So just because it's in your contract doesn't mean you don't do it. But I would think running with the Bulls, uh, that would be right up there. Didn't Jeff Kent say he was washing his truck or something? Washing and his truck, and then he was caught in cameras that he was popping wheelies on a bike. But sometimes guys get legitimately injured doing silly things, like Clint Barmas, former Major League pitcher, I believe. He was he slipped while carrying groceries. These things happen to people. One pitcher cut the heck out of his finger cutting vegetables for dinner. Could happen to anybody. Hey, hey, every time I handle that knife or I'm cutting watermelon or making my ribs, or I'm very careful, very careful. And I'm just the announcer, okay? I'm very careful about this stuff. Running with the bulls, if it's your fault. You can't <laughs> blame it on being an accident if, if you've antagonized some bull. I was just walking down the street in Pamplona. All of a sudden, these bulls come running. And he sticks his horns up here. You know what? <laughs> and of all the things, I think I'd wait till my career's over. Josh Norman didn't play very well either. Mm-hmm. And now he's out running with the Bulls. And as long, I hope he doesn't get hurt. That's great. But he'll have something to talk about. But still, I would put it in contracts. You can't do anything but work out and play golf. John, what's your favorite sport to watch other than pro football or college football? Um, if if it's the baseball, if it's the Astros. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love watching college basketball. I love, of course, college football. I, if, it's, if it's Roger Federer and uh, – Rafael Nadal, then I love watching tennis if it's classic players. And uh, I love watching the Stanley Cup. There's a sports bar we go to called O'Connor's on I-10 in Silver. And we go over there and sit at the bar. And one time we had Stanley Cup, Astros, we had an NBA Rockets. We had it all right there watching them all at the same time while we're having a beer and eating eating food. And I, I love, and fortunately my wife does too, uh, she likes to go to sporting events and likes to – she doesn't watch – it's weird. She doesn't watch them at home, but she'll watch them if we go out or she'll watch them if we actually go to the event like the Nationals game. Oh, that's very cool stuff. Uh, NBA, do they have the best hot stove stuff? I don't think that they do when you add up the NFL draft plus free agency, but as far as free agency goes, 
I think yes. they've eclipsed baseball in yes. the NFL. Because their superstars move teams. In the NFL, superstars don't move This would teams. be like Drew Brees and Tom Brady switching up yeah. teams. And, and dictating where others were going to go and, and who's going to be the powers. And I got a two-year it, – it would be like Andrew Luck being able to go to another team and say, it's just a two-year deal, really. I've got a two-year option. I can get out. That's kind of exciting for the league – but it's not very good for those franchises in the smaller markets that are trying to hang on to their players. The NBA needs to do something about its draft and the start of free agents because it's absurd. It's a joke, the draft of the NBA, when you have all these guys getting drafted when they're, and they're wearing their hats when they're going to be traded to other teams. It's just a sham. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's too bad. The NBA draft has really fallen off as anything you want to really no, pay attention no, to. No, it's ridiculous, and they got to change the format. And I don't, with Adam Silver being such a shrewd commissioner, I can't believe they continue continue to let that happen. One thing that broke while you and I were on break, or we haven't done a show since then, was was the uh, pass interference stuff sort of finalizing itself. Uh, are you okay with? where it's at i'm eager to see how it's going to work out you know it's subjective as it is and i i don't like alberto riveron using an example well this would have been interference uh, by the patriots on the rams and it they're opening a whole nother can of worms it's put in for egregious errors like happened between the saints and the rams not finding pass interference on the other side of the field that is could or could not have been called well Johnny and I pointed out that the Women's World Cup final would have been the equivalent. The first goal was a penalty kick, right? It would have been the equivalent of a Super Bowl, and it's late in the third quarter, and a play was run, and a coach threw a flag. It wasn't a challenge in the soccer game, but bear with me here. And they discovered pass interference. You get the ball at the one-yard line. That's the equivalent because in soccer, it's so difficult to score a goal, but the penalty kick is ridiculously easy considering – uh, that penalty was a penalty, but it was a, a, a heck of a punishment for that particular penalty. It could be like last year when it starts off and it's so absurd to think about landing on quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and then they tell them forget about it and it's not an issue the rest of the year. I hope that the pass interference is going to be like the seventh game of Stanley Cup playoff. They basically, you, it's got to be blatant to be called. We'll see how they play it. John, what do you have going on in the Chronicle? We have uh, my... Uh, Texans chat is on Texas Sports Nation. Podcast with Aaron Wilson on Texas Sports Nation. I will have a Texans mailbag posted Friday morning. I will have a column on the Texans for Sunday. Sounds good, General. Thank, Thank you very you. much, Mark. That's John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Go to HoustonTexans.com for articles, videos, all the stuff on your favorite football team. And follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. Follow me at Texans Voice. Follow John McClain at McClain underscore NFL. That's how you can find him. And you can find us tomorrow at 6 o'clock. I'll be on tomorrow morning with Mike Meltzer and I think Cecil. Whoever's there, I'll be there. 8 a.m. on Sports Radio 610. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.